SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm Brad Brown. It's awesome to have you with us. And uh, yeah, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to be chatting some rugby. We'll chat Super Rugby and SA Rugby as a whole with uh, rugby pundit Johan Ferreira. We'll also uh, hear from the new Minister of Sport about the state of uh, rugby in the country. He had a big meeting yesterday at uh, South African Rugby Union's offices down in Cape Town. And then uh, the big news uh, that broke shortly after uh, my bulletin on PM live this afternoon is that we have our national first division champions who have been crowned and will be promoted to the APSA Premiership. Tunda Royal Zulu beating Stellenbosch FC with three matches still to spare. They have uh, clinched enough points that will see them promoted to top flight football once again uh, next season. We'll uh, chat to uh, national first division pundit Kevin Evans a little bit about uh, that victory today and how things are shaping up towards the end of the national first division season. But let's start with some other football and uh, there is a match to look forward to in the EPSA Premiership this evening. Supersport United take on Bloom Celtic. Supersport have uh, had quite a busy schedule of late. And midfielder Renidwe Lesfolonyane says that uh, despite not having Stuart Baxter on the bench, who's missed their last two games, and you'll miss tonight as well due to illness, he says that upheaval hasn't had a negative effect on the team. We know that if he was okay, he was going to do it up. So he's still part of us emotionally and then... Uh, Otherwise, it's just that he can't do it as physically because there's no feeling what. But, but, uh, he taught us well. We, we are disciplined enough to, to say whether, whether he is there or not. There's still people who are in charge and then the same respect that we give him, we give it to the other members of the te- te- technical team. That match kicks off at 7.30 this evening. Staying with domestic football news, the Nedbank Cup semi-final fixtures and dates were revealed today. Defending champions, Supersports United, will travel to Ndatsane to play Chipper United. That match scheduled to take place on the 20th of this month, while Orlando Pirates uh, head to the Princess Mogogo Stadium, and they'll play Golden Arrows a day later on the 21st. The first leg of the second semi-final between Monaco and Juventus in UEFA Champions League taking place tonight. Last night, Christian Cristiano Ronaldo Hattrick saw Real Madrid to a 3-0 win over cross-city rivals Atletico. Staying with news out of Europe, Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, Paul Pogba and Eric Bailey all returned to training ahead of Manchester United's Europa League semi-final first leg to Celta Vigo tomorrow night. In rugby news, and it is big news and good news for South African rugby, Bulls and Springbok lock Luit de Jager announcing today that he is extending his contract uh, with the Pretoria-based franchise. It'll see him stay in South Africa until after the 2018 Rugby World Cup. Staying with news out of that Bulls camp, Jacques Portgieter returns this weekend and replaces Jonas uh, Kirsten on the flank. That for their match against the Crusaders, Jan Serfontein has been named on the bench. The Kings have been dealt a blow as well with the news that hooker Michael Willemso will miss the next three weeks of action. He had to undergo emergency operation yesterday. And for the Free State Cheetahs, Fred Zalinga will start in the number 10 jersey for their clash against the Highlanders. William Small-Smith replaces the injured Nico Lee for that match as well. On to tennis and world number one Annie Murray says the decision to allow Maria Sharapova to play tournaments on a wild card is not necessarily in the best interest of the game. Sharapova, who recently returned to tennis after serving a doping ban, is waiting to hear if she will play this year's French Open. You know, a lot of the um, the, the smaller events um, and the build-up to, to the slams, have, she's been given uh, wild cards into them because 
you know, she's obviously a huge, huge draw, and they're making a decision based on what's best um, for them as, as a tournament and as, as a business, whereas the slams, you know, they're such huge events that it, it doesn't, that probably doesn't come into it as much um, for them and into their thinking as much. So, you know, the, the French Open are making a decision, I think, in the next week or so. Um, whether she's going to get a wild card into the tournament um, or into the qualifying. It was also announced today that uh, the next Grand Slam, Wimbledon's prize money, has increased by 10%. The men's and ladies' singles uh, winners will each pocket £2.2 million. And finally, in cricket news, the second test between the West Indies and Pakistan's uh, underway. Day four at the Kensington Oval. West Indies 112 for the loss of three. That's a lead of 31 runs with seven wickets in hand. While in the IPL, the Kolkata Knight Riders posted 155 for eight in their 20. In reply, the rising Pune Supergiant 11 for 1 they need another 145 runs off uh, let me look 17.5 overs coming up next we'll chat some National First Division football SAFM Sports Wrap this is South Africa's news and information leader and it was a big day today in the National First Division and uh, the news broke just after my bulletin completed on PM Live this afternoon. And I thought, you know what, let's talk about it. Uh, because in the greater scheme of things, it is a big day uh, in the life of the NFD. And we join now by the man who runs the NFD.co.za. He knows national football, uh, national first division backwards. Kevin Evans, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap. Thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thank you very much, Brad. Nice invitation and uh, hello to your listeners. Kevin, it was a big day today. There's still three rounds of football left in the NFD for the season, but uh, the champions crowned, so we're going to have a new team in the PSL. Tell us, tell us what happened today and uh, who's coming up. Yes, we do have a we have a champion, and uh, that champion is a side that were formerly known as Atlantic. Then they become Benoni Premier United. Then they moved down to Kozil and Natal because they were bought by a Swedish consortium that included Sven Goran Eriksson. You'll remember him, the Swedish coach, and uh, they changed the name to Thunder Royal Zulu. And they were playing in the Premier League. They were relegated in the 2008-2009 season, battled away for eight seasons with a fair amount of success, and suddenly popped up after, may I tell you, just about being relegated in 2000, last season, 2015-16, to uh, be champion this year. I mean, it's an unbelievable story because they were on the brink of being relegated last season, and they pop up and get themselves uh, into the championship uh, and, and, you know, into South Africa's top flights. Uh, one year later. So, absolutely brilliant job. What they've done more, though, is they've also set a record for the side that spent the most amount of weeks on top of the table. Previously, in 2011-2012, it was a Tux and then Barocca last season with 22 weeks. Thunder now spent 24 weeks at the top of the table. Well, they'll extend that to 27 by the end of the campaign because nobody can catch them. And, well, I mean, when you spend 27 weeks at the top of the table, that's pretty good going, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But today's game was uh, was a good one because uh, I, I believe they beat Stellenbosch FC, who's currently second on the log. So uh, it, it was n- not that it was going to change the outcome, but it was a, a must-win today for Stellenbosch if they were going to if they were going to compete, and uh, it wasn't to be. So it, it's always great, sort of winning a league, playing a team who's who's second on the log, and then doing what you need to do. I reckon that's a, that's a pretty good assumption of it. Um, yeah, look, the, the matches come thick and fast, and it's always tough. And, um, you know, for Thunder to beat Stellenbosch at home, when they are unbeaten, I mean, they've only lost one match the whole season, Thunder, so that's the type of form that they found themselves in. And they have dropped points on the road occasionally, but at home they're unbeaten. And, but, you know, Stellenbosch, as you said, you know, second place on the table, uh, 10 points behind, but still in the battle with 
Black Leopards and Amazulu and Royal Eagles and Whitbank Spurs for the two remaining places now that are left um, to go the hard route, you know, through the playoffs to the 15th side from the Absa Premiership. And uh, Stellenbosch a good side, eh? But, uh, but, yeah, they came up with a group today and scored goals through Mbappe and Gumede. Uh, Maman Young, the big tall former Super Sports United and Mamelody Sundown striker, scored from the penalty spot for Stellenbosch. But, um, yeah, good courage shown at home by, by Thunder Ronsville. And you had, and it's a good thing for Roger Sikakani. I don't know if you remember Roger Sikakani mm. was with, um, Triple United and he was in, then he was out, then he was, uh, apparently arrived at the training ground smelling of, uh, if he'd been to Joseph Bean. Um, and then, um, and then promptly left the club, popped up in, in, uh, Richards Bay. And this is what he's done as a team. I mean, obviously he's got great support, you know, uh, behind the scenes as well. And he's got the players very disciplined. He's played a consistent fight throughout the course of the league and won it with three rounds to go. It's terrific. Yeah, that is great news. But uh, you mentioned uh, that they were flirting with relegation last season. Just looking at the bottom of the NFT log at the moment, uh, and it's sad to see, but Santos FC, they've got a mountain to climb, Kevin. They, they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth. They, they need sort of everyone else to fall over, and they need to win the rest of their games uh, to stay up. It's not looking good for Santos, is it? No, it's not looking good at all. I mean, they've only won three matches the entire season so far. But basically, a 1-1 one, one draw coming from behind against Domo Cosmos, who are probably also out of the running for a place in the playoffs now. But we're talking about a side who won the, the, at the Premiership in 2000, well, I think it was the Castle League then, back in 2001-2002 under, under Gordon Egerson. And they were also FPL champions from, you know, 1983-84 all the way up to uh, 1990, gained promotion to the PSL in 1996. And suddenly, uh, you know, found themselves in all manner of uh, trouble, you know, relegated uh, in 2011-2012 season. They still finished runner-up a year later. So runners-up in 2012-2013, and four years later, on the brink of, of relegation to the ABT Multepe League. And we've, we've got a similar situation to one of the great clubs in South Africa, where we had this situation where we have it with Morocco Swallows. With Swallows, yeah. Nearly winning, the, nearly winning the title, and then being relegated from three different leagues in three different seasons, which is... Like, unparalleled in South African history, and it's a complete disaster, and it shouldn't happen, but uh, unfortunately it does. What causes it, Kevin? Is it, uh, is it poor management? Is it finances? I mean, you, you mentioned Swallows, the Dubai Birds. There's no way that a team of that, that caliber and, and stature in South African football should be going through the free fall that they are. And my concern for Santos is that if they do drop, the same thing's going to happen there. Yeah, no, it is a concern. Look, I, yeah, I heard um, at, at Swallows, this is a management thing. I hear at Santos, and uh, I haven't spoken to Gullam Oli at all, so this is all just, um, you know, based on conversations with colleagues, um, that it is a more of a financial thing. You know, but th- these things happen, you know, and, and they happen around the world, and we hope that the Tartak are able to gather their loins and bounce back because, you know, these, this is the history of South African football we're talking about. Yeah, without a doubt. And then, given this is a long way to go with regards to who's going to be in the playoffs, that uh, sort of second to to sixth spot on on the log is is properly jammed up, uh, and there's there's uh, a few teams who are, are still in the running and and have everything to play for. Oh yes, you're right. And uh, yeah, I mean you got you got Black Leopards who are on 44 points, Stellenbosch a point behind Royal Eagles, and Amazulu, the Duke of Zulu, the South side, the further two points behind them along with uh, Whitbank's Spurs, who are also on 41 points. Then you've got Mbombele United on 40. So all the way down to, I would say, seventh place. And Tata mm-hmm. Bucks are six points away from the playoff place with three matches to go. It seems like a bit of a stretch. But anyway, from seventh place where Mbombele are, um, only two points away from the playoffs. 
And the rest of the, the, the teams above them, like the Eagles, the Amazulus, and the Stellenbosch's Black Leopards, yeah, it's going to be a bun fight. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. I think there's lots of excitement to come in the PSL still before the end of the season on both ends of the table. But I think uh, this one's going to be interesting to watch as well. Kevin Evans, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if you're into the NFD, make sure you check out the nfd.co.za. Kevin's got uh, a very informative podcast as well called NFD Matters uh, that you can download on the various platforms, on the iTunes and that sort of thing. So check that out. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. We look forward to catching up again soon. Awesome, Brad. Thank you so much. All the best to you, and uh, thanks very much again to your listeners. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and things getting very interesting in Super Rugby. Some of the teams that were performing early part of the season seem to be struggling, uh, while other teams are hitting their straps, and others just haven't come off the boil at all. We join now by rugby pundit uh, Johan Ferreira. Johan, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's look at this past weekend. I think probably one of the biggest pluses for SA Rugby is the Bulls didn't lose, but they weren't playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a massive, a massive plus. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I take your point. We've had some bad times over the, the last couple of weeks, but you know what? A shining light, a certain team from Port Elizabeth who are putting up their hands, and uh, not a lot of people gave them any chance going into 2017. And then they were very competitive, and suddenly they pulled off a victory away from home against the Stars, and they came back and they built on that. And I tell you. It shows what passion can do, and they've got lots and lots of passion. And uh, I think they've, they've won over a, a lot more support in the last couple of weeks. So good, good on them. I think uh, they're adding to the headache of who needs to go and who needs to stay. Yeah, absolutely, Johan. I watched that game, and I was so impressed, particularly with the back line. They've got some really good players. They don't have massive stars, and, and like you say, it's passion. It's almost what the Lions did under Johan Ackermann when they came back uh, from the, the, the Super Rugby wilderness. They didn't have any big names, but they just gelled as a squad, and I get that feeling amongst the Kings. And let, let's get some credit where credit is due. Uh, Dion Davids has done fantastically well with that team, particularly with where they were at the beginning of the season. Massive financial issues. There was talk about players not getting paid, and he's really, really galvanised that squad? Yeah, most definitely. He deserves a lot of credit. So too the team. And you know what's interesting is listening to the way Lionel Cronier talks at post-match. There's a self-belief and they they are taking the criticism and, and the negativity and they're turning it into positives. And I think we need more of that in South Africa in general. You just need to turn that negative into a positive. And if we have a whole of South Africa to think the way that, that those guys do, huge. We're gonna we're gonna be unstoppable as a nation. So good on them, and may their success continue for the rest of the year. I'm certainly behind them, and uh, I, I enjoy the style that they're playing. And I, you've touched on the backline; they've got some serious speed out wide. And if you give them a bit of space to work with, then they are real, really dangerous. And they can score tries from turnover ball, and they can score it from pretty much everywhere on the field. And, I, I'm, and that's great. It's really good to see. And, and I think you've made the perfect comparison. You line them with uh, Lions, and, and that's exactly how, how their success story started. But the reality is that we have to lose two franchise teams, and, and that's going to be a tough one when that decision is finally revealed. Yeah, absolutely. Don't want to make. I don't want to be the one to have to make that decision. I, I mentioned teams who started off really well and are struggling. The Stormers are one of them. Uh, they picked up a great win against the Chiefs uh, at home uh, a few weeks ago. They then lost to the Lions, and now they've lost two big games uh, down under. They, they just. I get the feeling that they're struggling for confidence. That they just. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the Stormers camp. But uh, another another big one this weekend. They they take on on the Hurricanes away from home, and if they don't pull up their socks, they're in for another hiding. 
most definitely. And the fact that they conceded 50 points uh, two weeks in a row is not going to add to any confidence. That's going to probably put them uh, even more on the back foot. And they take them on a same team that can play the brand of rugby that, that you would expect to, uh, a team to put 50 past you. That they can get hurt badly again. I see any backer came out in the media this week and he criticised their defensive structure and he pinpoints that as an area of concern. But one thing that he, that he said that stands out for me is the lack of commitment. It's almost like people going into tackle situations half-heartedly and they're not fully committed on a tackle. It's almost like the next guy must do it, not me. So uh, defensively, they need to man up and they need to do it pretty quickly. Otherwise, they're going to come back home with even less confidence and it's going to be very tough to regroup from there. I still do believe that they will make the playoffs. I think that they will have enough games in South Africa to turn it around. The question is how badly will this tour hurt them uh, from a continent's point of view and how quickly can they turn it around when they do get back home. I don't think there's any doubt that I reckon it will start as favourite. TJ Perinara making a comeback as well. They've got uh, a few changes. So Perinara will add a lot of experience, a lot of play and a lot of go-forward ball that he will bring to the party and so I'll need to watch him closely as a starting point. But, I mean, how good of the Arikan has also been. So they're going to be a, a tough enough to crack abroad. So the Stormers will, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that the Stormers will come out with a victory unless something changes dramatically in the next couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I agree with you. I think they probably will make the playoffs. But this is the time where you want to be hitting your straps and, and getting those confidence-building wins heading into the playoffs. And, and I, I'm worried that the Stormers are going to go into the playoffs with, with no momentum. A team who, who started off, I don't want to say they started off uh, sort of dodgily, but they, they, they won a few games that they could have possibly lost early on in the season. But since then, they've just been unstoppable. Uh, the, the Crusaders, again, hammering the Cheetahs on the weekends. They play in the Bulls at Loftus this weekend. Loftus this is a place they've struggled to win, but uh, of late, I mean, the Bulls, I, I joke about them uh, up front. They, they have won a couple since the, the, the really bad patch that they had, but uh, I can't see the Bulls beating the Crusaders this week, and they're going to have to have to play out of their skins if they, if they are to compete. Yeah, and how dangerous are the Crusaders at the moment? Traditionally, a team that starts very slowly and then builds, uh, builds up momentum through the course of the season and somehow makes the playoffs. Now they're unbeatable or un- untouchable at the moment, unbeaten ranked. And you have to say again that they're going to go to Loftus and they're probably going to also start as favourites there having, having demolished the Cheetahs. One of the changes in that lineup as well, but I'm really impressed with the way they've, they've sort of moved past that, that era. And I, and I say that almost tongue in cheek. I mean, if you can't replace Richie McCall and Dan Carter overnight, but they certainly have some role players that have stepped up in that position and have made it their own. And, and they look a settled lineup and a, a very dangerous lineup. And I do believe that as it stands right now for me, they would be my gentleman favourite at the moment. Yeah, they're playing unbelievable rugby. Uh, the Sharks have, uh, I mean, they've played the, the Jaguars on the weekend in, in Argentina. And that was a big game, uh, particularly for the conference that they're in. Uh, and you could almost call it uh, like a swing game where, where there's more than just the four points on the line. And, and winning in Argentina for the Sharks was, was vital, and that's what they did. They've got another big game this weekend. They've got to travel back, and they're playing against the force. But the Aussie sides have been woeful across the board. They really should pick up another win this weekend. But that win in Argentina could be massive come the end of the season. Well, you know, you make a good point. I'll pull away they against the Rebels. I mean, that's probably a, if you wanted to show people uh, the bad side of Super Rugby, take that 80 minutes and you would put it down on a DVD and say, this is how not to play Super Rugby and this is what we don't want to see in the competition. You almost felt that the wheels were coming off and 
going away to Argentina, the Aguares have been a far better side in 2017 and they've been, certainly been dangerous at home. And I, I thought that the Sharks would lose that game, honestly, before they, before they kick off. And good on them that they turned it around, a bit of confidence to come back to South Africa, and now they can play another Aussie team. That's such a favourable draw, there's no doubt, because the Aussie teams, you've said, if they won for, I think that's been kind to them, um, and it's been atrocious in my book, I think that they, they are useless all across the board. Uh, but now again, you have to criticise the structure, the top six or top eight or whatever you want to call it, it must be based on points. So how do you warrant giving an Aussie team a playoff berth considering the points that they've built up. There's no way that they should have a place in the playoffs as it stands right now. They don't play good enough rugby. They don't have good enough teams. And uh, we've shown it across the board, uh, from the Kings to the Sharks to, the, to pretty much everyone that's played against the Aussie teams. The only time they win the game is when they play against one another. Um, and, and, and that's it. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I expect the Sharks to come back and really take it to the force. And uh, it's another must win, as most games are. But uh, I'm glad that they pulled off a victory. Uh, narrow margin, but it doesn't matter. The scoreboard says W for win, and, and that's all that Robert Dupree will be focused on. Yeah, and the danger is too, Johan, and, and we saw it last season with the Stormers, where the Stormers were lumped with all the Aussie sides. They look great against the Australian sides. And then as soon as you, you end up in the playoffs playing against the Kiwis, you just get blown away. And, and, and that's my concern for the Sharks this season. As much as, as much as the Aussie sides, and not that the Rebels did, but as much as the Aussie sides can make them look good, they, they are going to have to lift their game a few notches if they're to compete in the playoffs. But let's just touch on, on something that, that is super rugby related, but not really. Lut Diaga, uh, the announcement being made today that he's going to be sticking around till after the 2019 Rugby World Cup. That's a big decision. We've seen a, a lot of players decide to, to head north and ply their trade in Europe, chasing the pound. But uh, Lut Diaga deciding he's going to stay in Pretoria, stay with the Bulls and, and stay with SA Rugby. Hopefully more follow suit. Yeah, that's positive news that came out from uh, Pretoria today. Uh, a couple of guys also making their return. Uh, I'm glad that Lut has committed his future to, to Pretoria and to the Bulls and to SA Rugby more specifically. So that's a, a real positive. Even my abs from the Kings is moving across to Europe. He's signed for Benetton Treviso, so he's on his way to Italy. So I think we'll see more and more guys move across. Another uh, interesting article that came out in news that came out of Victoria is Wim Prince, who jumping ship from Chita Kanti, and he's off to the Bulls as well. So I think we'll see more and more of this as the season runs down, and maybe there's a bit of anticipation. I'm not saying at all that the Cheetahs will go, but I'm just saying that um, as it stands right now, I, I wonder if more and more guys will be aligning themselves with, with where they think the Super Rugby status will be. And Dwayne uh, Prince jumping now was quite an interesting move um, in, in this part of the season. So, yeah, we'll have to look at it. And, and uh, it, it drops at the end of the day, but uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of planning that must still be done before we reach the conclusion of who will represent South Africa going into 2018. Absolutely, Johan Ferrer. Thank you so much for your time once again here on SAFM Sports Chat. Much appreciated. We look forward to, to chatting uh, some rugby again soon. Hopefully, more positive. <laughs> SFM and Birchett Hotel invites you to the much-loved Ekurlele Comes Alive Jazz Evening on Friday the 5th of May, Birchett Hotel, Israel. The evening promises a lovely blend of jazz and comedy. Tapatula will be gracing the stage as it gives us a tribute to San Komota. He will be supported by Budaza and the opening act will be Jazz Buddha and Tepo will be entertaining us with some comedy. Tune into SFM and stand a chance to win two VIP tickets and one night accommodation for you and your partner. For bookings, visit www.virtualhotel.co.za or call 011-897-0000.
This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to SAFM, a newly appointed Minister of Sport and Recreation, Tulas Ngayesi, paid a visit to Saru House, the headquarters of SA Rugby in Cape Town yesterday, to talk all things rugby in the country. It was the Minister's first visit to Saru since taking office a month ago. SA Rugby President Mark Alexander and CEO Yuri Ru welcomed Ngayesi and brought him up to date with the developments in the country, transformation, as well as the potential of hosting the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Well, today's meeting was more of a meet and greet. As I promised in my first meeting last weekend with SASCO, I'd indicated that I was going to go into a listening campaign and a learning campaign, of course, with all the federations, understanding how they are structured and um, what are their programs including uh, the challenges and uh, how do we deal with those issues together. But of course, once you have listened, you have to go back and and deal with those issues. And uh, we also talked about transformation. Uh, In our meeting with Saru today, we also talked about the the World uh, World Cup bid and for 2023 and uh, my own issues I'm very passionate with the issues of uh, development I was I was interested as to what is their development program uh, in terms of going into the schools because that's where our youth is where it's organized in the schools and uh, those are the issues which we we talked about since taking office, Ngayesi has emphasised the importance of sports development at grassroots level. The leaders at SA Rugby used the meeting to highlight what they are doing at junior level in the country. Ngayesi says he's delighted that rugby does have a junior programme, but added that more needs to be done. There's a programme which has been put to me. I've seen it for the f- first time. And um, it was not just in detail. They've given me documents. I still have to study those documents. But at least there is something going on in terms of youth development and sport. But I feel that it's not enough, not only with rugby. It's not enough um, with all the codes, precisely for a simple reason. You look at, at, at those who are in the national teams today, mainly drawn from Model C schools or schools where there is sport. The issue is um, what we used to call Sports Wednesdays. It's no more there in many of the black schools. There's some talent which has not been unearthed there. But that's not, that's not the responsibility of uh, rugby. It's the responsibility of the federations plus also the departments, both the Department of uh, Sport and Recreation together with the Department of Education. The issue is going to be how do we pull things together, pull resources together, and, uh, and be able to identify that talent which is lying there in the rural areas, there in the townships, in the suburbs. And, and, and I think that's the big challenge. But also, you would remember the role of sport when you're talking about majority of our youth unemployed, 
how do you remove them from crime? Mm-hmm. If we're to be to have those sports uh, clubs, those um, teams at the village level, at every community level, it would be very helpful to pull those kids away from crime over the weekends to be engaged in sports. So we were talking about that. It's going to be a tall order, but we will have to deal with those challenges. A big discussion point was the potential of hosting the 2023 Rugby World Cup. South Africa successfully hosted the tournament in 1995 and along with Ireland and France are planning to bid to host the competition. All three countries need to submit their detailed bid documentation to World Rugby by the 1st of next month, but South Africa first need to receive government's backing in order to stage the event. If I were to draw my experiences from the Soccer World Cup, you would remember remember that in terms of nation building, when both black and white South Africans were in the stand supporting Bafana Bafana but also enjoying international football, the legacy of that, if you look into the local clubs today, you have both black and a lot of white, white, white South Africans now who are following soccer who are in the stands watching those local teams. It's very, very important. Today you have the stadium, which, which is a legacy. Of course, there have been some scandals about um, the, the inflated prices by the construction companies. That's a matter we've been dealing with as Minister of Public Works, um, together with the other ministers, have been part of the team dealing with those issues. But... You have the infrastructure there for you. And I guess even when you look at the prospects of your Rugby World Cup, you will be having the infrastructure. You don't need to start from scratch. So, so, so that what you would call um, the cost will be seriously reduced because you already have the infrastructure and all over the country and so on. But it depends on, on how government is going to look at it economically, financially, and so on. But I'm saying one of the major expenses, which has always been the issue of the infrastructure, is already there in South Africa. And I believe that uh, it can leave a very huge legacy, and it will make a big impact, like soccer did. SAFM Sports Wrap. That's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap tonight. Congratulations once again to Tanda Royal Zulu winning the 2016-17 National First Division title. They will be playing in the Atsu Premiership once again next season. A quick cricket update for you as well. The test match between the West Indies and Pakistan. The West Indies 123 for 3. They lead by 42 while in the IPL this evening. The rising Pune Supergiant need another 72 runs with 8 wickets of 12.1 overs against KKR. Coming up on the other side of your 7 o'clock news, it is the Talk Shop with Naledi Maleo. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can uh, pop the executive producer an email, sport at safm.co.za. That's the email address. You can also reach out via the various social media platforms to SAFM Radio or myself personally at Big Brad Brown. Thanks to my team in Joburg for keeping things together this evening. I'll be back again tomorrow afternoon. Have yourself a great evening. Right now it is 7 o'clock.